Paul taught me that. Welcome, welcome. So good to be house, in the house of the Lord. Healthy and able to be here. And those that are not, our prayers go with them. So for activities, we have our Wednesday uh, night or uh, Wednesday morning prayer power hour from eight to nine. Saturday is going to be the Awana yard sale. So oh, what did you say, yard sale? Uh, no, we'll just ignore the guy coming up. He's such a you know. Yeah. That is next Saturday. Let me give you some details. I see. Um, we have a yard sale. Our annual youth and Awana yard sale is Saturday, this Saturday, at 8 o'clock in the morning till 2 at the church. However, some of you might have some stuff, some good, I mean, not junk stuff, to bring. So drop-off times will be Monday morning from 10 to 11, this Monday, and Friday evening um, after 6, 7 o'clock. But if you want to contact Jared and Vanessa Height, they are leading it, but they couldn't be here today, so I'm a fill-in. Um, so thank you. We need people to show up um, Saturday morning early so we can get the things out in the parking lot. We also need people to come to help and also share about what Awana is and that we will have a youth group. And we, we want to tell people about the church because they come here at the, for a sale and they might get the sale of Jesus, which is even better than having um, money come towards the help the Awana and the, uh, the youth. So please pray about it. Consider helping if you need, if you have more questions, see me, Jared or Vanessa, or you can even call our pastor. You're going to be here this week, Pastor. You will not be here Saturday, but you'll be here this week, right? Yes. So any questions, let us know. Thank you very much. Let me get my stuff. Yeah, take your junk and, I mean. <laughs> well. That's Saturday. Next Sunday, we have a wonderful thing going on. It is a baptism. Yay! We're going out to my house. And if you don't know where I live, it's at 1309 Grandview Road, just about a mile from here. And uh, the way to get there is you go out to 487, go right, then take the next right and take the third right, then my house is on the right. If you go right, you can't go wrong, right? Right. right. Okay. Um, share. All right. Well, it's great seeing everyone. Um, we will be doing a food fellowship at the baptism as well. And so... We would like for you to sign up. I think it's going to be almost like a brunch. 
Am I, it's going to be like a brunch. Okay. So if you can sign up and let us know what you can contribute to the meal, we would really appreciate that. We're looking forward to having a wonderful time together of food, fellowship, and watching those get baptized. So all is welcome. There are some other needs that we have. We need to get tables and chairs over there. Uh, so pastor is saying Wednesday, if you want to come in the morning or, or whenever you can, uh, early on on Wednesday, even if it's one, get in touch with the pastor and, and, and we'll, uh, if you got a truck, got to have a truck, come on. Uh, if you have a truck or a, a van or something that can carry tables and chairs, get with the pastor and schedule a time where you can come and, and take some of those over. The other thing that we need is, if we have, yeah, but we need more than one truck. We need more trucks, yeah. If you want to buy a truck just to come, that's fine, you know? <laughs> All the guys are going, what? Um, uh, we also need uh, any uh, type of pavilion type tents, if you have any of those. Uh, I have an old one, a, a newer one, and the church has one, but uh, any more to keep the sun and rain and whatever comes our way off, that would be great. Uh, and if you've never seen anybody baptized in a hot tub, come. It's, a, it's, a, it's an experience. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to get the, the temperature down below 100 and some, you know. Yeah, that's going to be a great time. Then uh, uh, after that, the uh, Deaf Fellowship Picnic will be at 1230 in the church. If you get confused and don't have GPS and don't have, uh, didn't listen to me when I said turn right, turn right, turn right. Um, if you meet here at about 10 o'clock or a little before, we'll uh, form a, a, a convoy to get you up to my house. Anything else? Okay. Um, then I won't mention when uh, the pastor is going to bail out on us on August 21st to 27th, you know. <sighs> These people. Uh, Oh, you're a faithful servant. I know it. Okay, that gets us through August, so uh, let's just go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you for these opportunities that you've presented to us. Father, that uh, we support our children with Awana. Awana, Awana. Father, we... Uh, Thank you for those that have given their lives to you and are showing it publicly uh, in baptism. Father, we uh, just thank you for the deaf community that we serve and uh, the, the people that mean so much to us from there. Lord, we just thank you for this service. We thank you for uh, your love for us this morning. We pray that you will be in our hearts and minds as we turn them to you in worship. Be in and through each and every part of the service. And as your word is, is uh, brought, Father, speak to us. 
And we ask this in the name of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Good
It's okay, okay, we, we want, want to teach you a new song, song called, called Every, Every Hour. Hour.
I did want to read a, a text that I got this morning to you. I actually need four people to pray this morning. I need four volunteers to pray. And if four don't volunteer, I will volunteer four people. So please just raise your hand as the Spirit of the Lord needs you. All right, so here's the prayer came in. Hi, if you could please pray for me. I fell at work last night and I broke my knee in the hospital. I'm in the hospital right now. Dan, we're probably going to have to have surgery. This is Audrey, who sits on my back over there on the, the right side there. Uh, Audrey, would you please pray for Audrey, who's in the hospital right now and may have surgery uh, needed for a broken leg. Also, pray for Pastor Al. We can visit him this week and get in touch with Ruth Joy. Um, he plans, uh, they have a plan to give him surgery Monday, tomorrow, sometime afternoon. Uh, he has two hearts that are totally blocked at 175%, 80% blocked. Two uh, what they call? arteries. So just please keep him in prayer. Uh, he's in good spirits. They believe in God, but they really, really need prayer. We know that, Sam, you know about those surgeries. Um, just keep them in prayer. She's got some concerns there as well. Uh, also, uh, Sharon, uh, Sharon Ray has bronchitis. I just found out this morning. I spoke to her the other day, and she sounded like something was coming, so. And then Patty mentioned someone. Yes. That was her husband that passed away in the helicopter accident. So she's one of ours. They have three little children are expecting number four. So pray for the Metcalf and Far Well families, please. Thank you. Four people who are volunteering to pray. Audrey's in the hospital once more. Pastor Al, once praying for Sharon, once praying for Patty, once praying for Paul. Just raise your hand, man, for everything. And we're praying for more people. Sharon. Thank you. 
to the man's voice, to go out into the world and to bring the message of the marching orders. And so today we want to bring, it's not hard to, but it's going to kind of be a powerful thing in the Jesus is faithful to his word and he's faithful to who he is. So I want us to know this first of all on the screen right now. We're going to talk a bit about why he did it. Why did he do it? And I don't mean he sent them, but Jesus sent them. He spoke last week about it was so important that the one who sent them was the one who sent them. And he was Jesus. But today we're going to talk about why. Why did he do it? Not in sending us, but why did he come? Why did he do it? So I want you to notice about the screen these verses, John 13, 15. It's our screen for text for today. I have sent an example that you should do as I have for you. Jesus is speaking. He says to his disciples, I have sent an example that you should do as I have done for you. Before we go any further, I don't have any reverence and respect to God. Stay together. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We praise you this morning for your grace. We thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. We pray that this morning you would make yourself even more real. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray for those who are just in need of your word. We pray for those who are hearing us online. We pray, God, for circumstances and situations going on in our lives. We pray for the challenges of life. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would meet us in a very, very special way. And Jesus, that you would make yourself known, that you would embrace us and talk to us and move in us and guide us and direct us and follow us regarding our Jesus. We thank you that you are faithful and that you are Lord and that you are here with us this morning through your spirit. So we invite you to have your way this morning. In Jesus' name. <laughs> so, okay, so, so I'm going to read from John chapter 13. Let me give you a quick synopsis of what's going on. So, Jesus is having uh, basically his last meal with his disciples before the trial and the crucifixion. And when the meal is over, Jesus gets up off his seat, he takes off his outer garment, he puts a towel on his waist, and he stoops down to wash the disciples' feet. And, and this was normally something that was done by slaves who would be expected to do this, especially when their owners uh, told them to accommodate those who were traveling from those long distances. Yes, who were traveling from long distances by washing their feet. And so Jesus basically takes the role of a servant or a slave here. By the way, the word slave and servant is the same word for boss, and it means basically to serve. It means to be underneath the authority of someone and to do as that someone says. So Jesus basically takes the role and shows the role of being a server. And in those days, in those days during that time, when someone served like that, when someone became a slave or a servant or helped like that, they were considered to be people that were called men. So Jesus takes this role of a servant, and after he does it, the Bible says that after Jesus washed their feet and after they recognized that he was both teacher and Lord. 
So they recognize him the one who was washing their feet. Teacher, this is a powerful text. We talk about that all day. Very, very challenging. But he says to them, now that I, your teacher and your Lord, so he has exercised who it is that is about to just wash their feet. He says, now that I, your teacher and your Lord, they have washed your feet, you should also wash each other's feet. It's a really, really powerful story. Then he follows that up by saying, I have said to you that you should do as I have for you. We'll talk about that one day, perhaps. The more of you want me to do it, we'll talk about it. It's a powerful, powerful text. But my question is why? Why did they do it? Why did he come? We know, we know that Jesus is ultimately, and I trust everyone in here know that, that Jesus is uh, to die for us, right? Romans 5 and verse 8. And we know that he came to destroy the works of the devil, right? 1 John 3 and verse 8. And we know that he did it because he loves us, right? 1 John 4 verse 9 and 10. Uh, but he came for something more than that. It, 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 it had to be, there was no other way. And so we're going to talk about that today. Why did he come? Why did he do it? I want you to notice about this week that he did it so that we can identify him. Let's say that again. Jesus did what he did. He came. He did it because he wanted us to identify him. He had to do it. It's the only way that we can identify him. So last week we proved from Scripture that Jesus, Jesus is God. Remember that we proved from Scripture that he is indeed God. And we spoke about that today. I'm going to give you a few other verses to, to further confirm that he is indeed God. So I want you to notice this first verse when we go into it in Exodus 33 and verse 20. It says what he said. Well, let me well, give you the scenario. scenario. So, so Moses is, is about to go out, and, 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 and God, God told him to go, and Moses says, I don't want to go unless you go with us. us. Unless your presence is with us, we don't want to go. We're going to be mad until we're going to run into you. And, and God says this, and then he says, let me see your glory. He says to God, I want to see glory in your presence. And God says to him, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me. Says that to Moses. You cannot see my face, no one can see me. And, and, and then in John 4 24, on the screen, Jesus is speaking. He says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in There's a powerful demonstration that I've always told you you can't separate the word from the word. You cannot separate the word from the generation is trying to do that. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and the spirit of the Lord working through his people. And the truth that is the word of God. So those two are to be combined and always together. So it had to be, he had to come because he wanted us to identify him. So in Genesis 16 and verse 13, Genesis 16 and verse 13, and also in Exodus 32 and verse 30, it says that anyone, the people of that day, the Middle Ages in those days, they knew that if anyone saw God, that person would not. They believe that if you saw God with your eyes, you would not. And that's why God says to Moses, no one can see me in them. So those verses confirm that in those days, it was not enough. You can't see God. See, God is spirit, and you can't see the spirit with the naked eye. And so what happens is that God puts on a body. 
God puts God on, on a body to be identified, and that body is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so when Jesus was born, when we celebrate Christmas and under the, the, the feast of Santa name, we'll talk about that. Okay, that's a powerful story. But when, when Jesus came into the world, it was God himself that's called the incarnate Christ. That is, when, when, when God became a man, Christ came into the world, representing God, God is experiencing him, and so he puts on a body, and that body is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I don't want, want you to know, know that, that we have a piece of Jesus in the Old Testament before the incarnation, before Christmas. Jesus appeared in the Old Testament more than one time, several times. That's called a theophany, or the presence of God in person, or a Christophany, the presence of Jesus in person in the Old Testament. But here for the first time, God puts on a body so that we can identify Theologians call it the, 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 the hypostatic reunion when God became a man, when God put on a body. Why? Because it's the only way that we can identify God. You can't see a spirit, so a spirit, God put on a body in the person of Lord Jesus Christ. Someone has said it so well when they say that Jesus was God's perfect man and he was man's perfect God. So regardless so of what we think, think uh, when Jesus came into the world, God came into the world as the first of Jesus Christ. Think about that. And so we have, we have uh, uh, religions today who try to say that Jesus and God were two separate people. A two separate people, the New World Translation, which is the Jehovah's Witness Bible, actually says in John 1 14 that the the word, the word was God, the word, and the word was made flesh, the word was made flesh, and they put the word a God, and, and, and the word became God, they put the word a God, the problem with that is that they break all kinds of creepy laws of grammar. You cannot, now when they do this, you cannot have what's called a definite predicate nominative, which is just a word in front of a verb in the Greek language. And so they break all those laws and they break it right there in John chapter 1. They don't break it in other passages of the scriptures because it doesn't contradict their And so Jesus clearly is God in the flesh. And so why did he do it? He came so that we can identify him. We can't identify God because we can't see God. But when God put on a body, Jesus, now we can identify him. Let's look at the scriptures just to see how all of that works. Up on the screen. Notice these verses. This is possible. So many more verses. But these, I gave some last week. Here's some other ones. John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That verse I was talking about, the Jehovah's Witnesses with the Word God, the Word was a God. Uh, he was with God in the beginning, though through him all things were made. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Therefore the Word that was with God was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, that is, is he who was with God in the beginning, the word which was God, him, him. All, all things were made, without him, him nothing was made, that has been made. Been made. The word became flesh. Who's the word? The one that was with God. Who is the one that was God? The one that was God. Verse 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen. 
the scriptures make it very, very, very clear that this was God. Why? Because God is spirit, and so God is not a body in Jesus Christ. Notice next on that slide, in John 10, 33, uh, Jesus is being addressed and approached by the Jewish people who did not believe that he was who he was claiming to be. We're not stoning you when he came to work. They replied, but for blasphemy, could you, a mere man, claim to be and so let so me just say that Jesus, Jesus was not God, God and he was blasphemed. But he was God, so he was in sense. And the, the, the Gospels make it very, very clear that Jesus was God in every way. Notice on that same slide, John 12, 44 and 45. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not not even know me, but in the one who sent me, the one who looks at me is seeing the one, the one who sent me. I mean, how, how much, much more clearer than that? that? And it's and throughout it's all the politics. And in fact, we mentioned last week in Isaiah 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, and so God so has to identify himself, puts on a body, since no human can see God in reality. Jesus, however, makes God known. He reveals God to the world. When you see Jesus, you see God, and the disciples didn't understand that Even till after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they didn't realize who he really was. Uh, but, uh, but Jesus, Jesus makes it clear. He comes and he makes God known to the world. world. So God so puts on a body so that he can be identified. Remember the story in John chapter 20. After the resurrection of Jesus, there was one doubting Thomas. What was his name? Doubting Thomas. We'll talk about him. He is an interesting figure. He's, he's not given the credit that he deserves. We'll talk about him. But doubting Thomas says that he's the best I see. His nails caught hands and see his side, I will not believe that he is risen. And then Jesus appears to and shows him. Jesus says, touch my hands and see my side. And then he says to Jesus in John 20, 28, he says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And Jesus did not in any way try to reprimand Thomas. My Lord and my God. In John chapter 4, verse 9, I know that familiar verse in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, there's a Philip who Philip says to Jesus after he leaves, or that he says to Jesus, Show us the Father, this will be enough. And Jesus says in verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip? After you've seen all these years, don't you know that I am the Father? That I am the Father. And so, so time and time again in scripture, Jesus reveals himself as God, God the Father himself, God on a body, so that we can identify he had to do There was no other way. When you see Jesus, you see God. So Jesus is a representation of the God that God is. He is one with God. He is he is co-equal with God. When you when see you Jesus, you see God, and Jesus came to show, to demonstrate to the, to the disciples, to the world, and to you and me, God is and how God is and how God thinks and how God reacts. Jesus was an exact representation of God in the flesh. 
the incarnate Christ came to identify who God was. And they it says in First John chapter one, and I like I like the way they say this. It's First John chapter one. By the way, when John wrote that letter, because those who were trying to rob Jesus of his deity, his divinity, the First John is a powerful text of scripture. So the argument here is this: Jesus was not God. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this is proclaim concerning the word of life. The life of he we have seen and testified to. And we proclaim to you the eternal life. The eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us another declaration of who Jesus is. And so, yes, why did he do it? He did it because he wanted us to identify We cannot identify God unless God comes here on earth somehow in some way in his in ways that only he can that a virgin would be a child, and that child would be called the everlasting Father. Jesus came to identify God the Father. Secondly, I want you to notice upon the screen. He did it so that he can identify with us. I pray we get a better picture of Jesus here as we think about this. He came to identify the Father. He came so that the Father would be identified. And then he came so that we, so that he can identify with you and me and with his people. Jesus came as the Son of God. He came to reveal who God was and is often referred to as the Son of God. Right throughout Scripture, we find time and time again, Jesus is called, You are the Son of God. He's accused of being called the Son of God. And Jesus, several times in the Scripture, agrees that they are accurate in calling him the Son of God. And so he came. Not just, not just as God, God to show the world what God was, he also came as a son of God to show, to, show, to, to reveal. reveal. So, 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 so he's divine, and though he existed in all eternity before the foundations of the world, although he's God in the flesh, and he came as a son of God, to identify with you and me as sons and daughters of God. In other words, Jesus came to give us an example. He came to demonstrate to you and to me, his brothers and sisters, from that perspective as a son of God, to identify with us, to show us how sons and daughters of God are to come to themselves. Think about that. He becomes a son of God to give a demonstration to you and to me of how to live. A God, a godly life, a life that is so God should live. Listen, know that these verses upon this mystery. Hebrews 2 11. Both the one who maintains holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Notice next day, Mark chapter 3, verse 34 and 35. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him. And says, He are my mother, and he are my mothers. Whoever does God's will is my mother and sister and mother. So, 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 so,
So he so came he to identify with us, church. He came to, 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 to show us, to demonstrate to us how our brother, Jesus, God himself in the flesh, who came to show God, also came to show us how to be sons and daughters of God. Notice John 20, verse 17. Jesus says, not down to me, this is following the resurrection. Why have I not yet ascended to the Father? Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my Father and to your Father. Do you get the picture of Jesus is trying to communicate? And so he comes to show us how to be sons of God. He was God himself. He who he always exists comes to give us an example, a demonstration on how to be a son and how to be a daughter of God, how to be a father. So you want to learn? You want to learn how to be a son of God? You want to learn how to be a son of God? Hang out with Jesus for a You'll find that throughout all scriptures, time and time again, Jesus doing things that he didn't need to ask God. But he but needed, he needed to, to do as a son of God. God. He didn't he need, need to do as God, God, but he needed he to do it to show us what a son of God and what a Lord of God does, how to live and how to conduct ourselves. What a powerful thought we think about Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, follow Jesus from a son of God perspective. In other words, there's times when Jesus thinks it's very, very quick in Scripture. He is God. Very briefly, and you know that's you know, not, not that's God Himself. Uh, when He, he uh, prophesies, He speaks about something that's going to happen. Makes things that's going to happen. Or when, when He sees something, see something that no one else sees, He shows you God. But there are times when Jesus is showing us what a son of God does, and we need to look at Him when we read the Scriptures. Sometimes we read about Him. The book of John is powerful for that. With the Gospels, you'll find Jesus doing different things, and you'll find how many times he's doing something from a Son of God perspective. From that perspective, as a Son of God, something that he doesn't need to do if he was God, but he's doing it, he has to do it, because he's an example to you and to me on how to follow and so you see that was God. So, so it's keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's, it's, it's allowing him to lead the way to guide it to direct on how to access the son or daughter of God. Living as he lived, being as he was, responding as he responded. And so God and the Father, like the Father of Jesus, our brother, because of Jesus, we are included to that family. We're part of that relationship as, as adopted children of God. And so Jesus, in his death, when he shed his blood, what he did was he gave me the right to call his Father, Father. When Jesus, when Jesus gave his, his life, life, when he shed on his blood on that cross, he gave, gave, gave it, it, followers of Jesus, when he gave who their faith in Jesus, the right, the qualification necessary to refer to his father as our father. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for his coming. Thank God for that came. Thank God for the demonstration. And so God the Father, the God of heaven, our heavenly Father, wants to see a family that resembles him. And he gave us a perfect example in our brother Jesus on how to be a God-honoring son and daughter of our Father of God himself. 
What a wonderful thought when you think about that. So when he washed the disciples' feet, when Jesus washed their feet, when he bowed down as a slave, as a no-good, hopeless slave, that's how they were seen those days. As he did that, he taught them how to serve each other. He taught them how to be there for each other. He taught them how to how to how to uplift each other and encourage one another. He gives them an example and says, "I have sent you." And that's, and that's why, why um, um, that's, 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 that's what satisfied me as I read and searched the scriptures and wondered why the world would Jesus pray to God if he was God and there's something wrong with him and, and, and he made it so perfectly that he was showing me how to pray. Showing us how to pray and why to pray and how important prayer was. He showed us how to learn to depend on God. He showed us how to put our trust in God, how to turn to God when things are not going our way. What an example he gave us. He came as a son of God. And then in Matthew chapter 4, verses 4, 7, and 10, Jesus teaches us how to defeat the devil. Jesus could have defeated the devil by just saying, he God. He could have and God, and and God, but oh, he uses the word of God on three separate occasions and tells us the way to go. And so he's showing you and me how to counterattack the devil. He's showing us how to come against the devil. He's showing us how to overcome temptation and how to overcome the weaknesses of the flesh. Remember, he's showing us as an example. This is how you defeat Satan. I did it to show you how to do it. Believe the word and claim the word and then you So he gives us this powerful example. In Acts 10, he shows us how to live lives and sense best people. He shows us how to bless best people's lives. Boy, do we need that today. We're living in a world where, I mean, selfishness is the only one. Oh my oh God. God, I want I the best for me. me. I don't care I about them. I care about me. me. And, and Jesus shows us in the next 10, 30 years how to put people first. In the 23rd chapter of the book, in verse 34, he shows us how to forgive those who He shows us how to forgive those who have offended us, those who have let us down. Uh, have, have you ever been offended? Have you ever been hurt by someone? Has anyone ever made you look bad? Or Jesus teaches us in Luke 23, 34, how to forgive and why to forgive. Forgive for they know not what they do. And I think that Paul, when he came to Christ, got the picture. He got the picture because he says there in Acts chapter 7, verse 60, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's basically following the teachings of Jesus. Somewhere along the line, people had heard what happened at Calvary. And so he teaches us in John chapter 5, verse 19 and 30. He teaches us how to keep our eyes on God. He says, I don't do anything unless he's done first. So the Son of God, God in the flesh, he demonstrates to us how to keep our eyes on God and why to keep our eyes on God. And why to keep him in his direction. Life is filled with storms and trials and barriers and obstacles and difficulties and, 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 and things that don't go our way. And so he teaches us how to keep your focus. 
And then again, again, again in Acts 38, Jesus, Jesus shows us how to depend on the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. You ever think about that? Jesus, Jesus is, is the is Holy Spirit. Spirit. And he's teaching us how to depend on him. He's teaching us how to Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to be a son of God. That's what's going on now. He needed the Holy Spirit in his life. He didn't need the Holy Spirit. He's God himself. He is the Holy Spirit. But he needed the Holy Spirit as a son of God to show you and me that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. So it's an example. It is a demonstration of what it is to be a son or daughter of God. You got that? Did you get some of that? Jesus, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus, Jesus is my Master. master. Jesus, Jesus is, is our King. Jesus, Jesus is the coming King. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is his God Almighty. He's not in the flesh, but he is also my mother. And I think sometimes I forget that. I think sometimes we see him as everything that he is, and that is nothing wrong with that. We need to see God. But sometimes we forget that his lifestyle, his conduct, the way he dealt with situations, the way he maneuvered himself in challenges and, and, and difficulties of life was a demonstration and example for you and me if we see him as our Lord. Jesus Christ himself. Don't we do that as family? Don't, don't you do that as a mom and a dad? Um, um, we teach our children, we teach our children, we teach our children how do we teach them how to pray and how to read the Bible? We teach them to do that by doing it ourselves. I mean, we can't tell our sons and daughters to read your Bible if they never see us reading our Bible. And we can't tell them to go to church if they never see us in church. And we can't teach, we can't tell them to pray when difficulties come, if when difficulties come upon our lives, we will preserve and get and stressed out, and start throwing things. They learn by watching. So we, we teach our children, we teach them how to be good citizens, we teach them how to love the unloving, we teach them how to pray, we teach them how to honor the Lord, we teach them how to put God first, we teach them how to love their neighbors, we teach them how to deal with conflict by doing all of that stuff. Doesn't that work with our sisters, right? With our, with our children, brothers and sisters, you see the older brother being an example, the older brother and older sister being an example, the older sister, and you're hoping that that happens, right? You want the older sister to be a good encouragement to my younger sister and the brother. And that happens often, I hope, more than it might be but you, but you see that happening in our church, right? Because you think of, you think of Bill. So you know, remember when, uh, when King came here with her husband and Ellie, and, 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 and Ellie was always in someone's arms, and she would watch out for the money going around the church. And I remember saying, one day she was doing the same thing. Well, she did a good job watching because now she's saying, have you seen Ellie? She doesn't want quite as fast as this, not yet, but, but nonetheless, she learned from watching her father. And that's and a nice thing to see. Well, well, we can also learn how to, how to love God. We can also learn how to follow God. We can also learn how to make godly decisions. We can also learn how to conduct ourselves in a God-honoring way by watching our brother, Jesus, who came as a son of God. 
who calls himself the Lord God, who calls us his brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we learn the same things that church is hanging out with Jesus. My mom used to sing this song in Spanish, that's the way you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. We become who we hang out with. And the, 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 the more we hang out with Jesus, the more we read these gospels, the more we read these words, with an open heart, the more we begin to pick up some of his characteristics, some things that he did that he didn't need to do if he came just to be God. But some things that he did that he needed to do if he came to be God. A son of God. And as you and study the scriptures, it's a good idea to look and to see what is he's showing you. He's showing me he's God. Because I can't do some of the things Jesus did. But there were some things he did that I can't do. And that's why he's showing us how to son of God. What a wonderful demonstration we get from Jesus. And so it says in Philippians 2, verse 63, of Jesus being in perfect God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance of man. It says he's being found in appearance of man, being humbled and became obedient to God, even until death. So Jesus, so Jesus teaches, teaches us obedience, he teaches us humility, he teaches us how to honor God, he teaches us how to put God first. He didn't need to do any of that because he was God. But he had to do that in demonstration of what a God does. And so what a wonderful, wonderful demonstration of our Jesus. Yes, he was God. And yes, he still created this universe. And yes, he still sits on your storm today. And yes, he still almighty and all powerful, supremacy, supreme over everything and everything else. But he is also a sister of God. My brother, your brother, to teach us how to live the life that the Son of God would do something he didn't have to do if he just came to be God. But he came to be something. For you and me. And I think that all the apostles got the idea. He says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens. I can do all things through Christ. My eyes are fixed on him. He teaches me how to live. He teaches me how to live. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 11, when he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Why follow Christ? Because he teaches us to live a God on a life. He is faithful. Have you been hanging out with Jesus lately? Because when, when the more we hang out with Jesus, I pray you believe this in your heart. The more you hang out with Jesus, the more people are going to see Jesus in you. My dad used to go to work to work in construction. I knew when my dad had to work. Because he'd come home that that week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, with a curse word every other day. I knew he was hanging out at the job with the wrong people. And I knew when he wasn't in work, and I knew when he was taking the church services, 
and I knew when he was having the Jesus because those doors weren't
praise you. Thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating all these things to us. Give us a heart like that of yours for the Father you came to show us. In Jesus' name. Stand as we sing our closing song.